Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your hosts, Rick Lawrence and Becky Hodges, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Hi, listeners. This is Season 2, Episode 21, brought to you by Lifetree at JesusCenteredLife.com. This is a special treat today because Rick is actually away. He's celebrating his daughter Lucy's graduation from high school. Congratulations, Lucy. We're so proud of you. So today I'm actually going to have an all-girl takeover of the show. I have my friend Steph here. Hey, everyone. And uh, Rick is away. The mice will play. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're a new listener um, and you just came on with this episode, this podcast is brought to you by Lifetree and JesusCenteredLife.com. And Rick Lawrence um, and myself, normally Rick calls me the Becky Nader, co-host this show today. He is away. And so we're going to have a little special treat. Steph and I are going to talk about, uh, we're going to wrap up our month on God's will. This is actually kind of a bonus episode um, because this month was a little bit long. So we're going to we're gonna share some personal journeys. Steph and I both read Jesus Centered Life at the same exact time about a year and a half ago. And a lot has happened in our life and in our friendship and in our journey with Jesus. So we thought it would be really fun to share a little bit of that story. So I'm going to kick this over to our friend Steph and have her just kind of introduce herself and then share a little bit about her journey with Jesus-Centered Life. Sure. So I am Steph and I work with both Becky and Rick, and we have a lot of meetings where we love to get together and just talk about the things we're learning. Um, We plan future episodes. We dream. We talk about what you all share with us. And even though I'm not on the show, I am part of the Jesus-centered kind of team that works behind the scenes to make sure that you guys are getting new books, new resources, uh, new topics that kind of hit on the stuff that you're going through in everyday life. And we usually find those topics because it's the stuff we're going through in everyday life. It's true. So it's basically the best hour of my entire week is just hanging out with Steph and Rick and a couple of other people who have joined um, in this where we just dream about what what would, what can we tell you to help your journey? What can we tell you um, to help you draw you closer to Jesus and break down some of the barriers? So like Becky mentioned, we read the book Jesus Centered Life, and it was kind of still in its manuscript form at the time around Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right before, about six months before it released. And I remember reading it. It was cold. It was snowy. I was at my desk. That time of year is a little bit slower for us, so I actually had time to read. And page by page, I just kept thinking, wow, this is really good. This is making me think differently. And I've been a Christian and I've read Christian books since I was a kid. So it always catches my attention when I read something that genuinely presents ideas in a new way that makes me think a little bit differently. And I think that there were a couple ahas. Number one, focusing on Jesus is a super simple concept. And yet um, it made me realize how, how much I don't necessarily do that. And The other thing that I really liked about it was he, especially in the beeline practices, the book offers a lot of ideas for how to 
listen to Jesus' stories, how to read the accounts of him, and to ask questions that I'd never asked before. And I know that that's a big subject on the podcast. So you guys know what I'm talking about when I say this. So uh, many of you have been through the 21-day devotional. They're kind of like micro Jesus interruptions. And actually, Steph is the writer of that 21-day devotional. Um, She is the sort of behind the scenes. That was her idea. She read Jesus-centered life and thought, this is what I want to do. I'm going to I'm going to make this kind of interruption. And it's it's in a PDF form. But we what we found is that most people actually enjoyed the email Mm -hmm. interruption every day. They're very simple. Um, and we get lots and lots of stories from people. Yeah. Well, that's our. We love that. So if you have not shared a story with us and you went through the 21-day devotional, please share it with us because we, we do read them and we pray for you and we just absolutely love that. But I want to hear, Steph, a little bit about what that was like sure. to, to take that and apply it to something different. So when I read The Jesus-Centered Life, there was a part of me that thought, man, I... I understand sort of the big picture. I want to focus on Jesus, and here's some things even in the Bible that will help me look at him a little bit differently. But there was a part of me that really wanted to experience him sort of side by side during everyday moments. And that was the inspiration that came up from the 21-day devotion. So I read through the book, and then I, I just thought about what are moments in your life when you're in between errands or you're on social media, or you're sitting down to dinner with your family or your friends, how can you turn those into basically little micro devotions? And I think that that's been the thing that people have commented the most about after doing the 21-day devotion is that it kind of created a new divine anticipation in everyday life. And that's been a fun thing. The great thing about the 21-day devotions, too, is that they're they're repeatable. It's not like a Bible lesson where you learn it once, and then all of a sudden you have that knowledge, and you don't really revisit it. You can remind yourself every day to pause at a stoplight and connect with Jesus. And I find that the 21-day devotions remind me about some of these simple things that are so easy to forget. So if you haven't done it yet, um, it's free. Go to JesusCenterLife.com. There's a link for it there. If you have done it, it's worth doing again. If you want to just revisit some of those super simple reminders to connect with Jesus, because it's the kind of thing that can become a habit, but it's really easy to forget about it. And so I think practicing is a really good idea. And that's what I like about them is that they're easy things to practice. So... One of the things I, just because I'm friends with Steph and I know this about her life is Steph has been journaling since she was nine, nine years old. She has all of her journals. She journals every day. Her life is just all, it's all there. Well documented. (laughs) Um, From boys to lots of years of boys, lots of years of lamenting over boys. My husband's always like, so I don't want to bring up this morbid topic, but when you pass, what do I do with all of these journals? <laughs> what do I journals? do with the journals? Do you want me to destroy them or do you want me to let other people read them? The jury is still out. I'm you may sure have yet. to go through and like do that FBI thing where you like black out like anything you don't want anybody to read. So, but the one of the the things about Steph that is just so impressive to me is that she is extremely disciplined. She just got some like hyper super drive <laughs> discipline <laughs> that Jesus gave her from birth, and so she's one of those people who who does get up every morning and do a devotional with Jesus. 
But what I know is that most of you feel really guilty because you struggle to find that time. You know, some of you, it's because you're in the throes of motherhood. Some of you, it's because it's just you've got a lot on your mind. You you know, it's you're not very disciplined. Um, you didn't get the hyper super drive, get up at 5 a.m. Um, discipline. And so it's a struggle. And so one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that Steph took this, she took this idea of, wow, everyone feels really guilty about this. And she made it very accessible. And she actually, she has continued to do this. It's such a gift that she has given to us is here's this super disciplined person who is so devoted to her devotionals and she knows and loves you and was like, I'm going to find a way that you don't have to do it this way. And I'm going to, I'm going to create a different way. So I want to talk a little bit Tell us a little bit about what was the journey of kind of decompartmentalizing a like 30 minute devotional that takes all this time and and making it into micro moments. What was that like? I do think that there's this idea for Christians and maybe this isn't universal, but certainly the church that I grew up in, um, I know a lot of you grew up in similar churches where to follow Jesus means that you set aside a specific chunk of time. And that chunk of time has like a checklist of things that you do. You pray. You read part of your Bible. You maybe read a devotional that goes along with it. Um, when you pray, maybe you have a kind of a little system that you go through, a time where you confess things, maybe a time where you pray through your list of people that you're praying for. And I think there's a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but there's definitely this idea that to grow in our relationship with Jesus, this is kind of how you keep the gas in the engine. It's a good formula. Yeah. It's it get up in the morning is a frequent time that's sort five, of recommended. Five-ish a.m. <laughs> or before you go to bed at night um, and make sure that you have a dedicated time where you sit down by yourself and you do some of these things to connect to God. And though I think that that is a wonderful experience. I'm a little introverted. I like the quiet. I get up early naturally. So some of these things are, are not hard for me to do. But what I think is maybe even more realistic of a daily interactive relationship with Jesus is that we don't compartmentalize him into this kind of 30-minute time increment. He is absolutely next to you, his spirit dwells within us at all times of the day. In the most mundane moments of our lives, he is there with us. And we don't have to only connect with him during these 30-minute sessions. We also don't have to only have sort of these little prayers that we're shouting out to him during the course of the day. Like, for instance, Dear Jesus, please break up this traffic jam because I seriously have to get to the place I'm going. We can expand our experience with him beyond that to a more two-way conversation where we're actually listening to him in these little mini conversations that happen all the time. And I think that that, that is truly something that he's looking for. He, Though he loves the 30-minute time with us, just like we love dedicated time that we spend with people that we love in our lives, there's also this kind of, you know, we text people that we have relationship with all day long. We share them little things that are going on. And this happens, like, even as I'm recording right now, I can see my phone lighting up from my husband sending me pictures from something that's happening at home. I think that that's also something that I think we can experience with Jesus. 
So another thing that I love about Steph is that while she has hyper-discipline, she also has one of the most playful relationships with Jesus. Um, And she's always inspiring me to be more playful. In fact, that's one of my big takeaways from the last year and a half is that I really never thought of Jesus as, as a friend that I could be playful with. And so... Steph, I would love for you to share some of your sure. experiments with Jesus that you do. I, I'm very experimental by nature. That's a little nerdy of me. So like, for instance, one thing that I tried um, this last year was I wanted to, I was driving to a friend's house and there was an unexpected detour and I had only come to her house through like a certain way. And this was kind of the back way. And I encountered this roadblock and I knew I don't know how to get there. I've never driven the roads this way. And so I had a thought, which was a Holy Spirit inspired thought, which was, I don't I, he could just tell me how to get there. Like he, he clearly knows the roads being God. So I just asked him, okay, well in in my spirit, just kind of give me a prompting about which way to turn. And sure enough, direct route to her front door through streets that I had never really driven before. And um, I think that sometimes we, you know, maybe that sounds even like a crazy thing, like, oh, Jesus doesn't care about stuff like that. Um, but maybe I, maybe he does. he does. I mean, I think that the thing that I like is just asking the question, even if I don't necessarily get an answer. I think it's fun to think about putting Jesus outside of the box that we put him in. Uh, so another thing that I that I like to do is think about our resources. Like, for instance, um, I get this tea. It gets delivered to my house. I always run out before I get my new delivery. And one day I was almost to the very end, and I'm just counting in my mind, and I'm making the assumption like, well, at this rate, I'm going to run out in two days, which gives me three more days before I get my new shipment. And again, the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me and said, why do you assume that this is going to run out? Are there not stories in the Bible about people who had a resource and it multiplied? Like, why are you so fixed in your idea about how I work, about how your life is, about how the resources are operating in your life, about what can happen in relationships? Why do you make assumptions that are based on experience or common sense? It's possible that I operate outside of all of those things. So those are my favorite kind of like little thoughts. Um, and I like to, I don't know, just play around with them. So, Steph, I, I, I know our listeners are thinking, well, how can God care about how much tea you have when there's starving babies in Africa? And I actually want to poke at that a little bit because I've heard this before. And God is, he is constantly and relentlessly p- pursuing our hearts and constantly and relentlessly trying to show us something about him that will that will grow us closer to him so that we trust in him more. So when you made it to your friend's house and you didn't know, what did that show you for sure about Jesus after that? I think that it, there's a couple lessons. I mean, of course, it is always encouraging to feel like he does care about the small details of our lives. Because as much as we know that there are really big issues happening, it really is the details of our daily lives that kind of get us, they get in our head, they're the things that encourage us, they're also the things that really discourage us. So I always think it's encouraging to know that even the small things I can talk with him about, and he might have a solution, he might lead me. But the other thing that I think is that it's not even so much that 
he really cares about this. I think it's almost just challenging me all the time to consider that he operates outside of the little compartments that I put him in. The 30-minute devotional compartment. The, um, the I can only pray about certain things compartment. The miracle compartment. You know, the, these things in our lives that we think, well, that's impossible. The Holy Spirit constantly kind of pushes the boundaries of that and challenges me to think, Maybe these limitations are not as limiting as I think they are. And I think Jesus, he pushed that a lot. I mean, the, the faith the size of a mustard seed. If you believe, you can tell this mountain to go into the sea. Hey, everyone, I want you to feed this crowd of 5,000 people with this basket of fish. He was constantly challenging people to broaden their ideas about him, what he's capable of, and the kind of things that he does in people's lives. And I, and I think that behind all of that is because he's trying to show you how real and how true he is. And when I know that just in the last um, year and a half, as I've started doing this more playful experimentation, I've just felt more confident in who he is. Um, and that confidence is growing strength inside of me. And I can feel it every day growing a little bit more of... I'm more confident that Jesus is here with me and that he is for me um, and that he wants to do things in and through me. And then then it makes me more courageous about the way that I'm living out my life. And I don't want you guys to get the idea that everything is always sunshine and roses in my relationship with God. One of the things about interacting with Jesus on an everyday basis is that the relationship is very, on, at least on my half of it, it's very human. I get frustrated. I get discouraged. When we talk about how much God cares about us, I still have some really big challenges trusting that that is is his full character. There are events that have happened over the course of the last several years in my life and the lives of people I love that really poke at that. Like, wow, if you cared, then why did this person that I love die? Why, you know, why are we encountering this financial thing that's so stressful? So it's not like... Like when you have little micro devotions and Jesus comes out of your compartments that all of a sudden, all of the, the hard questions and the things we wrestle with and our, our disappointments and our frustrations and even our hurt, it's not like those all just go away magically. It is a real relationship and it is always a little bit um, just like all our relationships. It's complicated. It's complex. And whenever I feel those emotions, I don't compartmentalize them either. They're always out there. Dear Jesus, this is how I feel today. I don't know if I really feel like I trust you a lot right now. You're sovereign, and I just submit that to you, and I pray that through your Holy Spirit, trust would grow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really how it is. Mm-hmm. It's not neat and tidy. No, and he's not going to remove our circumstances. Um, but it is wonderful to know that he is there. <laughs> and he is at least there with us, and he sees what's happening. So Steph did something incredible this last year. Um, we had been, you know, as soon as we published Jesus Centered Life, our immediate thought was, how do we teach people practically how to do this? You know, Rick is um, is very good at like kind of the theoretical um, application. And so our team started a meeting immediately about, okay, who are people that need to do this and how could we do that in different ways? And so Steph, over the course of four weeks, two weeks? It was intense. <laughs> intense. <laughs> She, we had very short deadlines. <laughs> she wrote a lot of things that resulted in about four books, 
Well, one of them is a planner. We don't have that one here today, but um, we will be talking about that in the next couple of months. It releases in August, but it's a 2018 planner, um, a Jesus-centered planner. But what we do have today, and we've mentioned these these um, resources, you know, we've talked to you about them. Hey, they're coming out. You should buy them. But I actually wanted to share a little bit more about them because I wanted you to get deeper into the meaning of why we created them because we didn't just do this because we thought it would be let's make some devotions and coloring books. We really actually had a heart and a mission and we were thinking about you. So I want to start with the first one that Stephanie Hillberry wrote is called The Jesus Interruption. The subtitle is Embracing My True Identity in the Messiness of Momhood. And there's something unique about Stephanie writing this Mm. book. Do you want to So my husband and I cannot have children. So when um, they asked if I would write this book there was a little part of me that was like, of course. <laughs> you know how sometimes God puts things in your life where you're like, of course. you're, Of course, this is a request. So this is, I, I approached the book not from personal day-to-day experience, but from a heart that wanted to encourage and come alongside moms. And as an outsider, I feel like sometimes I even have a little bit of a clearer perspective about how valuable moms are and how hard they work. And I wanted to give them the encouragement that I think Jesus is offering to them. So that's partly what the book was about. I'm going to go ahead and just read the introduction that um, Steph wrote. I have heard from a few moms um, that after they just reading the introduction, um, kind of brought them to tears. And and one of the unique things about this um, devotion is it's 52 weeks and every devotion focuses on who does Jesus say that I am, but also who does Jesus say your kid is? And there's some really cool things in, in there like, hey, your kid is a sinner. He was born that way, just like you were. And And you know what? Jesus doesn't want you to be in control of everything. He wants to give you up control. So there's some great stuff in here for moms, but I'm just going to read this. Um, I'm getting back on track with Jesus. I'm doing it this time, you declare. I've really put my relationship with Jesus on the back burner since becoming a mom, and it's time to change my priorities. What I need is a regular quiet time. Thus, the planning begins. You know you'll have to get up early, so you set your alarm and get the coffee maker ready. In order to not be a zombie who stares off into space every morning, you'll need a new Bible study, a prayer journal to stay focused. You even picked out a scented candle and worship music to set the mood. This is going to be great, you say. And at first it is, until about day five, when you're exhausted and convinced you're doing something wrong. You're supposed to be inspired by the Bible, but keep reading the same three sentences again and again. You're supposed to be praying for other people, but can barely stay awake long enough to pray about your own problems. And you're supposed to be hearing answers from Jesus, but all you hear are your own thoughts, and they sound like this. In 20 minutes, I need to wake up the kids. I wonder if Kate is coming down with a cold. She felt warm last night. If If she's fine, then we'll head out to the store after I drop off the older kids at school. But first, there's breakfast. Nick is getting super weird about eggs lately. Maybe I could try pancakes, but wait, I think I'm out of batter mix and syrup. Seriously, lamest quiet time ever. Dear Jesus, I'll talk to you again in maybe 15 years. Sincerely, me. (laughs) Um, And you can see how moms would just immediately identify with that. And I, so Steph, I want to hear, despite the fact that you had to eat like 100 million Carmelos (laughs) in order to pull this project off, what was it like? It was 
it was fun. It was very encouraging for me. If ever there's a group of people who have a hard time pulling off the compartmentalized 30-minute devotion, it's a mom who's got a busy life with kids. And I wanted to really, really remind moms through this devotion that you can have powerful moments of connection with Jesus in the midst of the everyday chaos that motherhood often invites. And also to give a lot of encouragement that I'm hoping will set moms free. There's a lot of guilt when you're raising kids. There's a lot of fear that you you might make a mistake or that they will be exposed to things in the world that you can't protect them from. And like Becky said, half of the devotions in the book are really about who Jesus says you are. And a lot of the things he says about you don't really have anything to do with your role as a mom and everything to do about your heart as a person. And the other half are about who Jesus says your kids are. And those can be, I think, really freeing because he loves your child more than you do. And he has a plan for children. And um, he, he isn't afraid for them to face risks and challenges. And he has a very redemptive story that's already playing out in their lives. And you get to be a part of that. So I'm hoping that as moms read it, they'll uh, maybe let go a little bit of that pressure for a 30-minute quiet time and just have one really long conversation that happens when you get up in the morning and ends when you go to bed at night. So in addition to writing a book uh, for moms and not being a mom, we threw another challenge at Stephanie. Um, She is also the author, um, not the illustrator, but the author of a coloring book that we created called Namesake. Um, And I know coloring books, they're all over the place. But what we really wanted to do was create an experience for people where they could reflect on the question, who does Jesus say that I am? And so that's why we, we named this coloring book namesake. So each of the devotions, and, and this, is, this, is, this is why this one was challenging. Stephanie shared with me that it's actually really, really hard to write things that are shorter. <laughs> so, so she had to go through the Bible, and she, she was looking through the whole Bible about who does Jesus say that you are? What are the things that he and God said about who we are? And so then she had to write these small devotions that go along with a coloring experience. So I'm going to read one. Um, It says, you're confident. I can see you holding back, timidly hiding your thoughts and emotions from me. I have not asked you to do this, to edit and censor yourself. I want you to be confident, to be bold, to be brash. Take the risk of being yourself, inspired by Ephesians 3, 12. So talk to us about writing a coloring book. I This was, a uh, again, a really fun project for me. Um, it was very spiritually encouraging to be able to reflect on what Jesus says about us. And it was really fun to work kind of in conjunction with an illustrator who I think interpreted some of these powerful messages in a really very beautiful illustrative way. And for me, the namesake devotions are centering. I have used them since I since the book came out as a way to encourage me a lot of times, like in the morning, if I'm feeling down, I'll pull it out and just flip through the pages. It's a great book to be able to maybe pray and ask the Holy Spirit to just guide you to a page. You know, send me the message that you want me to hear today about who you say I am. And um, as Becky read, each one is founded in a real life Bible verse. So you can go to that verse and also see 
the words directly from some of the apostles or directly from Jesus himself um, about that affirmation. So the last one, and I'm not going to read from it because the story is really long and we're going to have to wrap up. But the last one, this one actually doesn't release until August. But um, collectively, a larger group of us here at Group Publishing and Life Tree, we got together to put together the most daring marriage devotion that is out there in the Christian market. And we, our goal and our mission was not to make a devotional that was trite. And we wanted to tell real stories, raw stories about marriage in all stages, especially marriage in peril. Mm -hmm. Many of us wrote um, some of these devotionals. Stephanie and another part of our team here, they collectively edited this whole entire devotion in a way that would keep an animity for everybody who contributed. But we are super excited about this. I, for the first time, get, got to hold this in my hands, and I read through a few of the devotions, and I'm just really excited. So it's called We. Um, the subtitle is Outrageously Committed to My Marriage, 52 Devotions. Steph, you edited these beautiful stories of mm-hmm. just the most raw moments of people's lives, mm-hmm. um, being completely honest. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Um, it was humbling, Definitely me and the editorial team that worked on the devotional felt very honored that people were so honest about the real challenges that married couples go through. And by real challenges, we definitely don't mean like... He we, leaves his socks on Yeah, the we argue about who's going to do the chores. I mean, these are real. This is infidelity. This is infertility. This is... Pornography. Financial hardship, pornography. Gambling problems, addictions. So people were remarkably candid. And I just want to shout out to all the people around the country who shared their stories with us and were willing to be brave and kind of pull back the veil of, I don't have a perfect marriage. My marriage is challenging. The, The devotional also includes a lot of kind of everyday challenges in marriage as well that are communication struggles and conflict. You know, if you're married, you understand the fight you know, the one that you and your spouse have one million times over and over and over again. So we kind of talk about some of those things, too, that are very common to marriage, um, but in a very personable way. Rick Lawrence actually wrote all of the reflection questions for each devotion. So he kind of put his touch on it as well. So we're excited about it. It's powerful. I think it will be encouraging to people who are in a marriage that's struggling and also for people who are in just an everyday marriage past that newlywed rose-colored glasses face. It does always help us, too, if people pre-order these books on Amazon before they release. So even if though it's not releasing in August, you can go on Amazon. Mm-hmm. If you pre-order that, that's actually a huge help for us. Um, it helps get the rankings up, and so more people see that stuff, and we know you guys love us. So I'm going to ask you to do that. Mm-hmm. So I want to close out. Steph and I have just had the most treasured friendship over the last few years and just going through this whole journey together. And I just wanted to close off this month and talk about how God's will can be shown to you through your friendships. We want to encourage you. We have a group called The Pigs, um, which is growing week over week. And The Pigs are people who want to go all in with Jesus together. 
So if you sign up for the pig group, we'll send you emails, behind-the-scenes access. We'll pray for you. You'll be invited to a private Facebook group where you can connect with other pigs. So you can sign up for the pigs here. So I just, I'm going to close off with Ecclesiastes 4. This is verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Broken. Uh, we just consider you all our friends, and we want to stay connected with you. And we constantly are thinking about you, and we put this together um, every week for you. So thanks for listening. Also remember that you can find out more information about things we talked about here today, but in further detail on the JesusCenteredLife.com. Find our podcast section and click on Season 2, Episode 21. This is Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, a podcast from Lifetree. Subscribe to us on iTunes for the latest podcasts, and we'll talk next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.